Yo, welcome to the first ever episode of What's Good America. I am your country ass little cousin that grew up way too fast and got way too big. C Turner and the co-host, my right hand man, the man on my left hand side, the man who does it all, Mister Saturday Night himself. Talk to him. Hey, I'm here, America. What's good, America? We out here. You know I am. I'm the proper talking, got out the south cousin that went up with the uncles, you know what I mean, just doing what I had to do up here in the shot. But we here, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a podcast for folks who say they, they could have went D1, but the coach ain't like him. That cat who could have went to the – who could have been drafted in the first round, but he had to play backup quarterback because the coach was playing favoritism to everybody. This is, for, this is a podcast for everybody when you used to be in the back room and your grandma would make you come up to the front room and start singing for no reason in front of your drunk uncle. This is who this is for. This is for everybody. What's good, America? I love how he actually did both of us because uh, I'm I'm the one that that uh, thought it should have been D1. I guess I was wrong. So uh, I like how he uh, threw that in there because we both went to church. I guess that's where the similarities are. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's, where it's, that's, that's where it's at. I mean, that's about it. That's about it. But we're going to get into these topics, man. And we're here to be that voice, America. We're here to be the voice that, you know what, we're going to talk about the same stuff everybody's talking about, but you know what, there's going to be an edge to it. I mean, my mom may not be able to listen to this podcast, but I'm, I'm prepared for that. I'm going to be honest with you. I came downstairs to do this podcast, and the last thing my wife told me was, don't, don't say nothing racist. Um, so, Uh-oh. said, don't say nothing racist, don't say nothing ignorant. And Uh-oh, again. Yeah, so that kind of shoots that in the foot so she probably won't listen to much of this but hopefully she shares it somebody else listens to it somebody else enjoys it and i'll do you one better at least you in a house you know i live in california now i don't know how the hell i ended up out here but uh my fiance ain't got no choice but to listen to what the hell i'm saying so (laughs) hey i'm either gonna make it to the altar or it's a wrap that's what's good america (laughs) all right so against my better judgment I'm going to let you start it off. Wow. Well, if I'm going to start it off, I mean, there's only one way that I can kick off what I think has a chance to be one of the most provocative shows in all the right ways is to go right to your heart, Chris Turner. And the topic that I'd like to talk about in our first segment here today is the end of the Alabama dynasty you in are college football. Damn devil. And you know what? I am a born-again Christian, but when it comes to this, hey, you you gave you I appreciate you giving me the floor. You know, obviously it's age before beauty, so I appreciate that. But let's Uh, get into it. Let's just talk about this and and let's talk about how I predicted that this was gonna happen. And I want to start with first off giving props because that's what this show will do. This show will always recognize both sides of the argument from both people in this podcast. That's what we do. But here's the truth of the matter. When Tua came in there, let's just go right to it. Let's just start right to it. Please God, do. God bless Tua Tagliviaola. I don't even know if I said his name. You're not going to disrespect my boy's last name. God bless him. Tua, Tua Tagliviaola. Is that good? Is that That's close enough. Close enough. God bless him. You know, as we as we talk about a God-fearing man, you know, raised by an old school pappy, you know, let's give props <laughs> where it is. There's a reason why that kid went in there and did what he did. 
So I'm going to, I watched it with amazement. I said, man, look at Georgia out here, this little Jake Fromm out here with his um, barely, average, barely average ass. Uh, but, you know, they had Sony and they had Chubb. And we all know what them boys have done in the league. So let's, let's be 100% honest. That's one of the best uh, backfields in the history of the SEC that will never get the credit thanks to Tua. And he gets I would much rather go with Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown, but I will give them credit, though. I said one of, and you know how I feel about Cadillac and, and Ronnie because without that, the state of Illinois wouldn't have got Brandon Jacobs for two years. That's a oh story my. for another day. That's another. That's a whole other story. Story for another day. Another great guy right there. Shout out to B. Jake, one of my favorite people uh, in the 10 seconds that I met him. Now, um, <laughs> back to this whole Tua situation. He comes in there and he saves Nick Saves. He saves Nick Saban in that game. The dynasty was already over. Wow. But what, but what, it, what it did for you guys is it gave you new life. And really what it also did, it was the beginning to the end because when Tua won that championship, Nick Saban had some comments to make a year after that ass whooping that the new Nick Saban uh, put on y'all after that. I'm, I'm going to stop it. I'm going to let you jump in here a little just, bit. So, no, no, no. no. I'm going to let you finish. But just to be clear, the new Nick Saban, you're talking about the little scrawny kid in Clemson, right? That that coach, right? Well, first of all, let's not disrespect D1 walk-ons because, one, that, that might have been my path. Okay, number one. Oh. And number two, let's just call it what it is. If we want to look player for player, which this is not the topic, we haven't done Clemson versus Alabama and put years on it. I don't want to do that today because I'm not going to do that. But if we look at those head-to-heads and we honestly look at it player for player, they ought to Alabama's be ahead by a mile. They ought to be grateful the fact that it ended the way that it ended in a in a flat out split. They ought to be thankful for that. They uh-huh. should be thankful. Because Let's just be honest. I think Dabo's a better recruiter in today's game. I think he's what Nick Saban was when he took over for Alabama uh, after your class graduated. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. I ain't had enough to drink yet, so let's don't don't do that yet. We're not going to do that. Don't don't do that yet. And I'm keeping it light, America. Shout out to Truly uh, as being my uh, drink sponsor for right now. And if I run out, it could be Kirkland. But anyway, point is, the truth of the matter is this. Nick Saban said some things, Chris, and we've been talking about this. And I actually remember texting you in 2019 what he said. Yeah. And it comes, really, what is the crutch of this show, is identifying certain things that people say and, and really letting people know how real it is and understanding this. Nick Saban, and I'm paraphrasing, basically called out one of his former players. This was after getting his ass whooped. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's one thing. They'd have lost that game 44 to even 28. We're talking something different. Right. But, I mean, he – I mean, Trevor Lawrence, true freshman, came in there and was zomped um, this quote-unquote savior. Let's not forget, Tua was the quarterback in that game. 
And Nick yeah, Swartz went on this Sun- rant. Right. Sunshine okay. came in. He did his thing. Sunshine won. Whatever. Shouts out Trevor Lawrence, by the way. One of the all-time I'm greats calling- already. What a year to go. He is. That's a different conversation. I'm going to call him Sunshine. Hey, that's fine. If, if Trevor is um, Irish for, call for Sunshine, then I guess that's what it is, man. I, but you know, I, I, I can't call him that. Sunshine. Okay, but let's get to what Nick Saban basically said in paraphrase. He actually went on a rant. This was in April. Feel like we lost Walt. What he was trying to get to was a safety who's now with the Jaguars. Got drafted in like the third round to the Jags. Okay, it is what it is. Nick Saban kind of came out and said he's leaving too early. I'm paraphrasing because Walt kind of disappeared for a second. But saying that the guy left too early. As a coach, that is your job to say, yo, I think you should stay in a little bit longer. If you stay in, you'll be in the first round. You bet? Can you hear me? I can now. Okay, that's what it was. That's my fault. Um, yes, thank you for taking over for that because I could hear you there, Dr. Outlaw. But let's just be more honest about it. He did not only just say that. He said it in only the way that a quote-unquote slave master would say to black kids. Um, <laughs> that's how it came off to me. And I love Nick Saban. Like, let's, let's be honest about it. I'm one of those guys that loves to hate greatness when it goes against my argument. Nick Saban has done more for the game of college football than quite a few guys. I will say this. He is the Bear Bryant of his time. Facts. Okay. I will always come with respect. I respect the hell out of Nick Saban and what he's created down there since Chris Turner left. I mean, that's a big deal, you know, to, to take over. Oh, you um, when, when, you know, when Chris Turner's in your program and you realize, like, you know what? We got to do better. You he somebody. understood. <laughs> but here's the hey, point. Here's hey, the point of the matter. Damn, before you get to your point, just because you went personal, <laughs> um, if we just going to go back to the recruiting trails of that time, if you look up how many stars I had compared to how many stars Walt had oh. or the top 100 compared to where Walt was on the top 100, I just want to point that out. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. I was literally maybe in the top 500 if I was lucky. Ew. I know, man. I mean, it's Chicago and it's football, dude. What you want to do? You Chicago can... has football? Okay. Okay. See, we're not going Sorry. there. Let's, that's Go a, that's a, a topic for a different day. Don't disrespect us like that now. But the point I'm going to get to is that basically Nick Saban had the audacity to say, um, well, we had a player here, not going to name any names, that went to third round. Now, if he would have stayed and then he got a first-round grade, uh, it would have been a difference between him making third-round money, and he was a starter in the league, which right. he was a starter. He was. Or, or he could have made $15-$18 million. Now, this is two ways it comes off. To the Alabama fan, it comes off as – Yes, St. Nick said exactly what he's supposed to do. You know, God bless the apostle Nick Saban <laughs> doing what he does. Or the great Nick Saban. Even though I don't sound like it at times, America, these very African American ears hear it as, oh, so you telling me that the only way that I'm going to be able to 
get to what I'm supposed to do is I got to stay here and risk my injury because um, as we do have one NFL guy on the phone here, uh, that would be you, uh, Chris Turner. Um, third round draft picks get what, Chris? You get a couple million. Possibly. Uh, yeah. What, what are the two words we're looking for? One starts with a G. The other one starts with an M. Third round picks get what? Guaranteed money. So here's a young man, Ronnie Harrison, that did the best thing for his career and what he thought for his family. What he felt was his bounty and was good enough for him. Sure, he probably thought he was going to go higher. But you know what? He got guaranteed money. And you're going to blast this kid as you're in your spring ball because people are questioning, oh, my God. I mean, Nick Saban, you've gotten beat before. I mean, you played against, as Dabble Sweeney called him, the Michael Jordan of college football. And you only lost by a couple points. But then here comes uh, as Sunshine, as he's known, or as uh, Larry Bird was known, you know, the savior to all. And I think it's how Trevor Lawrence is looked upon. Um, and he comes in here and whoops your ass. So that's what it really uh, is. And that was the beginning of the end. And that's why you didn't even make it out of your conference this year. Because you know what happened? All those guys saw that. And they saw what he said, and they saw, like, oh, this dude is – he's really – it's about him now. That's not All about right. me and what's best for my so, family. So why would I not go me, to an LSU? Let me why address – Why would I not go to Kirby, who's a little bit younger, and Kirby just trying to win one before he turns into an asshole? Go ahead. Take, take, take your position. Okay. So let me address. Let me, let me address everything that you just came at me with. So as far as Kirby goes – Kirby ain't never gonna win shit. Like you, it's it's it is what it is. Kirby's I'll always gonna be second. Right, I'm cutting you off. I'll bet you money right now. Georgia will win a national title before Alabama wins another one. Sir, right. that is a bet we will make off air because right now in the state that I'm living in, gambling is illegal. But we will make that bet off the airwaves. All right. All right. Well, gentlemen's bet. Gentlemen's bet. All right. Go ahead. Indeed. All right. So Georgia aside, Georgia will always be the the underachievers of the conference. To address what you said. Okay, so guaranteed money aside. Well, no, guaranteed money on the table. Guaranteed money, $3 million, Guaranteed money to 25 to 20 With how college players treat their bodies these days, with cats sitting out bowl games and not really going that hard in spring football, and all right, well, shit, we're playing Vanderbilt this week, so eh, I ain't really worried about them. I'm playing the first half, and we'll probably be up by like 40, so I ain't got to play the second half. Realistically, in a 12-game schedule, he's going to play – in a regular season anyway, he'll play seven games, maybe mm-hmm. six, because you never know who you're playing with Texas A&M. LSU had a fluke of a fucking year, which I'm a little bitter about. Oh, and that's, that's a little far. Like, that's – stop that. L- LSU will – I will say I'll give them credit. LSU has always been good. This year they were, like, out of your mind great, and it'll never happen again. They've won. They've won national titles. They've won three in the last twenty years. That's actually pretty good, considering how many schools are in the uh, FBS, my man. Like I get okay, it. Okay, they won I, three in the last twenty. How many has Alabama won in the last ten? I don't know. You tell me, Alabama guy. Three. So I mean, it's they they can have it. Whatever. 
And by about- the way, shouts out to Nick Saban because Nick Saban is one of those in the last 20 years. So, like I exactly. said, I so do you even Saban. Nick Saban brought that title with a janky ass quarterback that they had. That, matter of fact, we're not we're not going down that road. Yeah. So. Yeah, because that's 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 his other problem. Like, yeah, I see you cut yourself off. That's the <laughs> other problem. But keep going. We will argue about quarterbacks and Nick Saban later. Yeah. So, yeah. allegedly, and I'm not speaking from my experience. I'm just speaking from what I heard. Allegedly, once you go to Alabama, financial problems really aren't something you got to worry about in the first place. Because mm. even if allegedly, even if you even smell the field. You're going to have a decent vehicle. You ain't got to worry about gas. You ain't got to worry about food. Um, allegedly, anyway. Uh, the little mall got a couple <laughs> stores in there where you don't have to pay for clothes. There's a couple boosters around town that do wonderful handshakes for you. So, <laughs> if you got common sense. You don't have to worry about anything. And Mr. Harrison was a star at Alabama. So, Speaking as a star and somebody who was in the rotation and did pretty well on the D-line, whatever, whatever, uh, until whack-ass Mac Jones showed up at Arkansas. Any, that's a whole different thing. But <laughs> from a three-year starter at Alabama and a guy who was in the rotation, played a little bit, you know, did a couple things, got a couple fumbles and all that good stuff. If that guy who played D-line ate good, never went a day without a couple dollars in his pocket, Knew the right people to call if he needed money for spring break. Knew the right people to call if he needed to go get free this, that, or the third. What do you think Mr. Harrison was getting? He was, well, he was taken care of. Like, allegedly, the guy who played D-line was sending money home to his moms and everything and made sure she had stuff. So I can only imagine what he was getting. So it's as a head coach, I get it. In college football, like, the head coach is God. In the NFL, the head coach is a figurehead. But, and I get Nick Saban trying to protect his job, but if you look at it just from a broad view, you're taken care of in college. Like, he was, he had enough money to take care of everybody he needed to. You wait one more year. You take off the games you need to take off. Hell, you don't even play the bowl game. If you don't even play the bowl game, you get first-round money. And then, whereas most NFL players are broken five years, if you get $25 million and you don't have a cocaine problem, then you will be able to finance your family's family family for years to come. Okay, so here's, here's a broken part of your discussion right there. And I think this is what's wrong with Nick Saban. Maybe he's good. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, and I don't want this for him because he's a treasure. We need Nick Saban in college football. I love You need the villain. You we, need the villain. He's the good guy and the villain because the things he says about the media, I 100% agree with. So are times. you saying that Nick Saban is the Stone Cold Steve Austin of college football? Okay, see, no. He's not the Stone Cold Steve Austin of college football. He's the Hulk Hogan of college oh. football. He's been Which, pushed. Hold on. He's been what pushed. Hogan? What Hogan? Oh, I'm definitely talking 84 to 90 Hogan, steroid okay. Hogan. Okay. When it, Crashing down, it's hurting inside Hogan. He ain't <laughs> he ain't cool enough to be Hollywood Hogan and and realize. No, no, no. He ain't there. He ain't there. We don't have too many coaches. I mean, if anybody is going to be the Hollywood Hogan of college football right now, or even the Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's definitely 
<laughs> Coach O down at LSU. Oh, fuck that mush mouth. What did he uh, say? What did he say? No, Roll Tide what? I'll let you finish it. Huh. Roll Tide what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's my point. Now, he's talking about how this kid is going to get 15 to 18 guaranteed. Um, this is the new NFL. Uh, the number one picks, the number one picks only get 20-some-odd guaranteed. Baker Mayfield's guaranteed contract didn't exceed uh, his guaranteed money didn't exceed $24 million. I don't have to look at facts to see that because I look at it every year. This is the, the, the Sam Bradford era is over. That was the last quarterback that got the big guarantee. I remember when Cam came out. Uh, your favorite. Scam. Scam Newton. Yeah, Cam, I love you, but that's just a hilarious nickname that he's been calling you for years. I don't know if he originated that or got that from Alabama. Oh, no, buddy. That is that is straight from Tuscaloosa. That's just Cam that, yeah. Newton. Cam, I love you, and I wish the Bears would have taken you. Another topic for another day. But if we talk in that, let's be honest about it. Um, what picks are getting – 15 to 18 guaranteed. Um, you got to be a legit top six pick to get that type of money. Because once it gets to 10 and under, your guaranteed money is right around 10 to 15 million after that. Maybe 15 at tops if you dope and your agent is dope. So when you start saying stuff like that, you telling me that Ronnie Harrison was the best player in college football? No. He bet on the fact that he had the Alabama stamp behind him, and that's what's supposed to get him paid. But you know what happened? What, Nick sir? Saban, Nick Saban lost to uh, a creation of his own. He lost to Dabo. And Dabo is the guy. Dabo's the guy that's running a conference now. Clemson will win that conference for the foreseeable future until Michael Irvin goes back to Miami and coaches and or Deion Sanders goes back to Florida State and coaches. I'm, I'm going to say only, this. That's the only way that Clemson will lose the ACC. I'm going to say this and then we'll move on to something different. Yeah, this is to be continued on this because I'm the not a- done with this. The ACC now is what the Pac-12 was oh, okay. in the what? early 2000s where there was one dominant team and then a bunch of Pop Warner Little League teams and who will occasionally rise up. That's where the ACC is now. And I blame that, and I blame that solely on Florida State, but that's a whole different conversation, a whole different topic. But I blame yeah. the fall of the ACC on Florida State. All right. I'll let that ride to get to the next topic. I'll let that ride for now. But I tell you what, America, we're not done going into this Nick Saban uh, – and the Auburn Empire, I'm telling you, I, it's like literally when Darth Vader threw the uh, the Emperor off the bridge. <laughs> for our old school fans, we watching here, it's like All Return right. of the Jedi. And for our new school fans, it's like when uh, Ray and uh, and you whatever really little Adam Driver. Point. Oh yeah, it's basically uh, the Rise of Skywalker. That that's what that's what happened with Trevor Lawrence and them. And then Nick Saban just made it worse. He just made it worse. It's on him. All right. Next topic. The topic that's near the topic is near and dear to my heart. I'm excited for what you're gonna pick out of the other ones we got here. What you got? Black people, especially Southerners, hate Notre Dame. This is the one I've been waiting for. So this is a doozy. 
you won't be hard pressed to find stars from the Notre Dame era from the early 40s up until now. But as a whole, especially Southerners with that whole Catholics versus cousins shit. See how I wrapped it back to Alabama. But Notre Dame as a as a school, as a facility, black people just don't dig with it, man. Like it's it's like Notre Dame essentially stands for everything that's matter of fact, I won't even say black people. Notre Dame stands for everything the Southerners can't stand. Like privilege. Like they they Notre Dame is just the most privileged school in the United States. And this includes Alabama. This includes Clemson. Like this includes every sport possible. Notre Dame gets the benefit of the doubt and they are hot garbage on a Wednesday afternoon and the trash got picked up on Monday. Like Notre Dame <laughs> honestly, honestly join a conference. I get it. I get the money lost. I get the revenue lost in, but they are trash. They have a hand-picked schedule, which, oh, Chris, Alabama got a hand-picked schedule too. You know what I say to that? Kiss my ass. So, Notre Dame <laughs> has a hand-picked schedule. Well, okay, we'll play USC this year. That'll be a robbery game. So, USC hasn't been USC since like 04, 03? No, I'm sorry. 05 is when it, the Texas game was, right? And that's a conversation for a different day. So, they got the USC game. Okay, fine. They got a Stanford game. Stanford's hit or damn miss. Oh, well, they play Navy. No disrespect to any of the armed forces. Please don't, please don't hurt me or my family. Just know that my father-in-law is a wonderful veteran and he fought for this country. But he wasn't in the Navy, he was in the Army. But it's fucking Navy. Hey, real quick, I'm going to let you go back on your rant, but I just want to know, who comes at you and says, but they play Navy? I've, trust me, I've had military friends, but they play Navy, though. And? Do they really say that? You know what? <laughs> Once again, I have plenty of people that have served uh, in, in my half my family on my mom's side served and my grandfather served. Uh, my fiance's uh, got family that served, so God bless them all. But come on now. Please stop coming at Chris Turner talking about but they play Navy. Get the – okay, keep going. So they play Navy. Nobody cares. Well, they, they play like some of the ACC's. Okay. The the argument about the ACC has been made and done already. The ACC is trash. The a- Notre Dame's chancellor, whatever, I can't even think of his damn name at the moment. But he is the smartest man in college football because he picks waves of conferences to play. When he was playing the Big Ten, the Big Ten was down. When he was playing ACC, ACC is horrifically down. Now, if he's smart, he's, I get staying independent for the money. I get it. Join the conference. Stop being trash. Like, the last time you were on the biggest stage against some little school in Alabama and your linebacker had a made-up girlfriend who died in a mysterious Ouch. fire. Ouch. And your quarterback was supposed to be up for the Heisman, and your coach was from the NFL. You got gang raped, like prison style. <laughs> so, join a conference, be mediocre, be the seven and four, seven and five team that you are destined to be, because you'll go nine and three, ten and two right now, and screw up 
somebody's playoff hope because you played Navy and that got you 10 wins. Fuck you, Notre Dame. Join the conference. Man, I mean, that if I've ever seen a dissertation on hatred of uh, the Catholic school of the world, I mean, he almost I declared war. Nothing against Catholics, by the way. Nothing against Catholics at I, all. So, that was almost that was almost like a war on Catholicism, man, on accident. I'm just messing with you. Listen, I didn't mean to start a holy war. It's just Notre Dame, just from the bottom of my soul, irks me, and they get too much credit for shit that happened when Joe Montana was there. Well, Joe Montana didn't even win uh, any titles, um, so. I correct you on that, being the northerner in this conversation. Uh, number two, it was Catholics versus convicts. That's why. Oh, the convicts. I'm sorry. Yeah, you said Catholics for cousins, but you were going No, the off. cousins was when they played Alabama. They had shirts for that shit, too. Yeah. And, and shout out to them white dudes that came up with that. You know what? Let me, oh, tell yeah. you, let me tell you something. You know what? We could be mad about that in the 80s. You know, yeah. that's the crack epidemic. You know, you and I were, but, uh, you know, elementary students. Baby, not really baby. understand what's going on, yeah. but I give credit where credit's due. That's actually genius, and they still make never, money off that. I, will never I, I respect the hustle. Like, we I will always respect the hustle. Was it racist as shit? Oh yeah. Oh my <laughs> oh, god, god, that was racist as hell. God, I love that thirty for thirty. Shout out thirty for thirties. Can't wait for that Jordan special. But oh, yeah, I'll tell I'm you this, the boy. Let me tell you something. Anyway. Topic yeah, for another day. But to come to this, Chris, like our job is to be a opposing viewpoints, right? To right. disagree. I went to try to go look at things, you know. Had Notre Dame had black quarterbacks before University of Miami? Nope, that wasn't right. Um, is there something where I can argue against what Southerners, particularly black Southerners, hate? Notre Dame. And you know what? I have no argument. I have only agreements. Um, I, my hatred for Notre Dame is a little bit different, though. Um, it's not from any non-recruiting story or anything like that. I never had any <laughs> desires to go to Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to me. I'm a Big Ten kid. I wanted, I wanted to go to any Big Ten school that said, hey, you know what? You're good enough to play here. Half of them said I was good enough, and I broke my leg. Different story for a different day. But – this is what I will say in defense of um, the schedule. You got to understand that the teams that they do play and some of those teams, I'll, I'll give you the Stanford hit or miss, you know, whether they get another McCaffrey and they're all grown. So that's done um, happens. And I went to a Stanford game this year. Oh my God, they were trash and their band is trash. It's one of the worst yeah. college bands I've ever seen. Uh, whether it's a, a predominantly white school or black, it was that I don't know what the hell they were doing. Me and me and the fiance were in the stands, like, what in the shit is this? I was doing better watching the uh, the can the Kansas City uh, Denver game. I was watching that on my phone. It was more entertaining because I think that's the game uh, Mahomes got hurt. I'm sure so, it was that week. I remember that. So, um, all I can say to defend. Uh, Notre Dame is at least, you know, they had one of the great prominent black quarterbacks in the 80s uh, when they were still great. You know, shout out Tony Rice. Um, for anybody that are Southerners, know this. Tony Harris and Major Harris. Uh, sorry, Tony Rice and Major Harris before Andre Ware won his Heisman. Those guys were premier and actually 
were putting it on the map, you know, for, for black quarterbacks there too in the eighties. Um, and Chris, that's all I got on this topic, man. I don't know what to tell you. Cause I hate Notre Dame. I can't I'm stand good with them. that. I love, I'm, and I, and I love my best friends that love them too, because when you hear them talk about Notre Dame, you look at them, Chris, they look like mugs that love Notre Dame. I get it. Now, I get it. Like, what I will say is, and I've seen this, what gets a bad rap, I feel bad for the brothers that are smart enough to go to Notre Dame. I do, and too. I think that's the issue. We, we're talking about the Tim Browns of the world. Yep. The Jerome Bettises. Yep. You know what I mean? They've had some guys come through there. The ish, uh, the Rocket, Raheem Ishmael. We all had the Rocket Ishmael rookie cards. Yep. And he was out there it. running four threes and four twos. They've had some guys come through there like that can play, flat out play. And it's, it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, for a fact, if you play on Notre Dame, your game is going to be on TV every week. Because if you're not on NBC, that means you on ESPN or you on ABC or you on CBS. So I'm going to tell all y'all right now. Whether you from the south, the north, the east, or the west, if Notre Dame calls you with Brian Kelly coaching there, take your ass to Notre Dame. Shit, me. Take your ass to Notre Dame. Because I tell you right now, I'd rather play for a guy and play for an institution where you do know. And Chris, you went to this institution, so you understand it. Where football is life, if you're a football player, go there. Don't worry about don't worry about the non-conference schedule, whatever. Now, if Notre Dame had some balls, they'd stop losing to Clemson in in the uh, in the playoff every year when they play them and play Clemson in a regular season. That's what the fuck they should do. If you're gonna play the ACC, play Clemson. Play the schedule. Yeah, play the ACC then. Play yeah, because the ACC. I will have to until we see some things. Um, who's there now? Who's the coach that's there? Is it uh, Norvell, the boy from Memphis? Yeah. Until he can bring that program back, and I like Coach Norvell because he did some great things at Memphis. They need Very to stop so. playing. I'm telling you right now, Deion Sanders for coach, and every kid in Florida will go to that school. And then that's when it goes, uh-oh, Florida State then got all the players. That's when it's time to go hire old Ed Reed, and then we'll see what's going on because Dan Mullen is going to get it done at Florida. He's the right guy for that job. And you watch out get for Florida. Not to get off topic, but – I'm just saying. Not to get off topic, but – You're right. Florida State and Miami and even Florida, I want to say in like the eh, – for a little while. And this isn't to toot my own horn. This isn't to show state love. But when those, the three bigger schools, stop recruiting hard in state, yeah. it's when they all went to shit. Yeah. And, yeah. And you know who picked it up at that time? UCF, FIU, FAU. All of them picked up those Florida kids yeah. and program built up. Florida was like, okay, shit, uh, let's go back to the shit Spurrier and Ron Zook were doing. Let's go back and get all these Florida kids, and we'll be all right. Florida State has yet to do that. Miami has yet to do that. But to get back to the topic at hand, you better Notre hope Dame. you better hope Notre Dame never gets back to recruiting the South like they used to. That's when they were winning titles. They were plucking those two black kids uh, <laughs> that um, you know what weren't quite good enough here or there, and they go, "Hey, son, can you get a seventeen on the ACT? Come on over here to Notre Dame, and you'll be a star." 
So let we'll me ask you. Him. I want you to use your imagination real quick. Okay, I got my eyes closed. Baby. All right. So let's take it back. You, Jerome Bettis. You coming out of high school from Detroit, Michigan. From Detroit, Michigan. You're a black kid. I'm sure you either grew up like a Michigan State fan or a Michigan fan, a Big Ten fan. So this shouldn't be too much of a stretch for you. Notre Dame comes. Ohio State's there. Uh, because he got into Notre Dame, he might have been smart. So we'll say Northwestern comes. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. And just to throw in a school that's pretty much in the Big Ten just to fill out numbers, Indiana comes. Mm-hmm. Why are you picking Notre Dame over that? Their option offense was unreal, Chris. And they gave the ball to their, their playmakers. You got to think about it. Jerome Bettis was up for the Heisman. Tim Brown won the Heisman as a wide receiver and a kick returner, bro. Like they, if you were their guy, whether it was offense or defense, at all 22 positions, they found a way, man. Yeah. So that's why he chose that. And he was a – and probably for him, maybe all those schools wanted him to convert to, like, DN. Uh, we talking like Jerome Bettis, like, forget, you know, the Pittsburgh form of him towards the end of his career. This dude in college was, like, 6'1", 225, 230 pounds. Right. Carrying the ball in the late 80s, early 90s. Like, this dude was a – like, go look at the old Rams. Team. And he's running on the bus. And he was – they was running past people and running through people. When he got to Pittsburgh, he was like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and you – know, I'm going to bust these runs when I need to, yeah. you know. But I'm going to stay in here and beat people up. So Notre Dame was built like that in the 80s, man. Like, they wore you down, and they were smart enough. You know, you know, you know who Notre Dame is now? Who? Wisconsin. Yeah, I can see that. That's the blueprint. We're gonna we're gonna make sure we keep all our best in-state guys, which are usually your interior players. Yep. You probably get a heady quarterback or two. Nice size linebacker. And then Yep, you get a decent linebacker or two, maybe a great free safety, a Jim Leonard type. And then all those spots, you know, whether we're talking corner, receiver, running back. You're going to have a guy that just was under-recruited the schools he wanted to go to. That's how they got Melvin Gordon. That's how they got Ron Dane. That's how they got Sweet Feet. Shout out James White from Florida. That's how they got Chris Chambers, Cephas, like all these guys, you know, that have made plays outside of the uh, uh, Jared Aberdakis's or whatever. I forget his last name. So that's how that goes, man. Um, but um, to agree with you and end this topic um, – yeah, I, I understand why the South hates Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to change. Nope. But the one the one thing Notre Dame can do is if they're going to play the ACC, just play Clemson in the regular season. Validate yourself. That's all you got to do. That's the only way. Because the Michigan game means nothing to anybody right God, now. God, no. Um, and, until, until, until my man Jim Harbaugh, who I do like, and I do think he's the right guy for the job, but – I mean, my goodness, I just don't understand how you can go 11 and one at Stanford and be a game out of national title. And you're, you are from there and you can't beat Ohio state. I never, boy, I remember when Ohio state couldn't win that game when I was in high school. Yeah. Topic for another day. All right. I'm ready to move on to, I'm ready to move on to um, what I think to me is, one of the great topics, and when we brought this up in my household, 
um, as we were having a powwow with uh, my confidant in the house. She just absolutely laughed that we were going to talk about this in this way. And we're going to switch gears and we're going to show you guys how versatile we are on the show. And it won't stop here. But my topic that I like to bring up, Tiger Woods, before the hose or after the Talk hose? To him. All right. Now, here's the truth of this situation. And this is going to be tough because as we don't like to do on this show too much, we like to give respect where respect is due outside of Notre Dame that didn't really get a lot of respect from my counterpart over there. Fuck Notre Dame. Um, this is a tale of legitimately two different guys. Um, so this is a stat I looked up simply because I just wanted to know, before the hose, Tiger Woods had won 14 majors. 14? Before, 14 before that car crash. He was 33 years old. The record is 18. And let's talk about what Tiger Woods, who barely claims the black that's in him, and his daddy's black as shit. Yeah, he is slave black too. Let me tell you something. When your daddy named Earl, Earl. you black. Earl Woods at that. And then your then your name is Eldrick. Can, can I put- let's not forget. Let's not let's not forget what his name is. I love Tiger. That's one of the dopest nicknames. This dude's name is Eldrick. Can I put this out there real quick? And you can get back to Go the point. It. The only thing that would make Earl Woods a blacker name is if his name was Earl Leroy Woods, the mechanic that can fix your car. But go ahead. <laughs> Listen, that's hilarious, dude. But as I'm talking about Eldrick, who is my hero, by the way, we talk about what those 14 majors did. Chris Turner, tell America, what is our favorite pastime that we like to do when we have downtime and it's a beautiful 75 degree day? Oh. What do we do? Oh, that's perfect time. Man. We go out to the golf course, Eagle Rock Par 3, whatever it is. Shout out to both of them. We were buying a free membership. Go out there. You get mm-hmm. you a cart. Get you a cooler full of beer. Play a little whack ball, baby, a little golf. And that's what Tiger Woods did. Tiger Woods introduced the African-American culture to a game of affluity. All right. I'm using these big words, American, barely saying them right as I'm drinking my truly. That is the Truman State education. Okay. Yeah. The the years that I was there. Shout out Truman State. And it's to to make you understand this. It's to make you understand this, America. I have an uncle who I love, my uncle Julian, who is as black as can be. When I tell you D1 scholarship, played it at a HBCU, FAMU, all day. So right there in your – okay. The first guy that told me about playing golf was my black uncle. (laughs) Right as I was just starting to pick up the clubs. And I had loved Tiger Woods for 10 years before this. Because here I am watching this African-American tiger, you black. Deal with it. You black with Asian features, but you black. So long, fried rice. Hello, fried chicken. Exactly. What Everything Dave did. Shout out Dave Chappelle, by the way. I'd love to, if we if this podcast ever hit and I get Dave Chappelle on here, just kill me now. <laughs> That's a wrap. But I'm going to tell you this. When you got a guy that's worked, you know, and worked with higher ups in a company like a PepsiCo, 
And he's the one that's telling you, you need to learn golf, nephew. You need to learn it and be able to be decent at the game because at the end of the day, that's where business deals are done. That's what Tiger Woods does. It's not just the winning and dominating and being a man of color doing it. It's the fact that he gave us a gateway into a game that um, the secrets – I'm sorry, America, your secrets are out. You want to get a deal done, oh. go swing a golf club and swing it decently Facts. and learn how to Facts. do it. However, if I had to choose Tiger Woods before the hose or after the hose, I'm taking Tiger Woods after the hose. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Please. Tiger Woods is exactly what black America needed. Okay. And I'd say this to you, America, because this is a very multidimensional household that I'm making this announcement. <laughs> okay. So understand this. Okay. And it's all good in the hood. But this is the reason why Tiger Woods, after the hose, is the one that I prefer. Tiger Woods coming back and winning that Masters the way he drew. You know, you know what it showed America, America, that you can knock us down and you can shit on us. But if we have the skill and we have the ability, we'll find a way and we'll win you anyway. So for me, the articles you read about this guy and you know what he goes through physically now because his body ain't shit at all. And this this dude has almost won three majors since this. I think he's a greater golfer now than he ever was because his gifts are gone. It's like basically seeing the country club version of Michael Jordan when he came back from playing baseball. You talking about Wizards, Mike? That's 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 what I'm. That's who Tiger Woods is now. This is the like he was 45, Mike, for a minute, and then he put that. 23 on in that little year and a half where won his first tournament and turned around and won the Masters and then he, he's getting ready to ba- break the PGA record that his next tournament went. Like, this dude is still doing crazy things. Like, he's going to win number 83 at some point in the next couple of years. And you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. Coronavirus might be the best thing that ever happened to Tiger True. Woods. I said True. it. I said it. You're not supposed to glorify coronavirus because it's the reason why this podcast is not happening on camera with microphones. But truth of the matter is this. I'm taking after the host Tiger Woods. You have the floor. All sir. right. So I'll be short with mine because mine is, mine is fairly short because when it comes to Tiger Woods, I speak from the heart more than anything else, more than facts because your heart a lot to you. When it comes to Tiger Woods, well, I'll give you my backstory first. Uh, my role model and the person who I, I model my life after is and who inspires me to this day is my uncle. Just like Walt's uncle, he went to FAMU. My uncle was a hooper. Like, he's living in Miami now and does business. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what he does, but I know he has a great job with a fantastic wife, and he lives the life that I can only wish to be. My uncle introduced the game of golf to me at 12 years old, and I've been fucking hooked ever since. We mm-hmm. went out. It was him and some of his friends, and it was just honestly the best time I've ever seen a bunch of grown men have. And just it was just perfect. The weather was right. Like it was like everything was like great about it. And like I saw the joy and the fun 
and out of all of it, and it was perfect. So, if I was going to pick a Tiger Woods to to get behind, I'm still with Tiger in them holes. Here's why. <laughs> <laughs> Man, anytime, anytime, because here's the thing: when when it, when the news broke, he got the car crash, and his wife came out of the house and. Uh, knocked the window out with like golf clubs or a baseball bat or whatever it was. Hey, can, can we can we give can we give her a little bit of credit? That's <laughs> that's what Tiger should have realized he was black. I mean, if you didn't ever know you was black when she came out there. What uh, Elin Elin? That's her name. Elin. Shouts out to Switzerland. When he, hey, for real, shouts out. Like, when when you when your girl come after you with a weapon. <laughs> It doesn't matter what color that girl is. You're probably black. Hey. I'm just saying. There's a good chance. So, there's a good chance. Here's why I'm Tiger. Here's why I'm with Tiger before the I'm Tiger with the homes. The stats that you brought up was all you got to think. This every every major this man was in, every tournament this man was in. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, from we roughly we'll call it like seven a.m. To about and three or four, that man's yep, that's about right. That man's on a golf course, killing. For thirty hits, he's back in the Uber, headed to the hotel, take a shower, and the first thing he says, because I'm sure this is exactly how he said it, because you got to remember there is still some black in this man. He took a shower, threw his Nike slacks on, his Nike little polo on. <laughs> And shit, he was fucking with Jordan at that time, so he threw some Jordans on. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about my my hero another day. But keep he going. got dressed, he went downstairs. And here's the thing, folks: when you're in a different city and you're staying at a hotel, go talk to the person who's either carrying your bags or the front desk person. Don't don't go get the manager. Don't go get like the concierge, nothing like that. You need to talk to the bellman. And you need to talk to the front desk girl because it's usually a girl and ask them where it's popping it. And that's what Tiger did. He got dressed. He went downstairs like, yo, I know you know who I am. Here's a hundred. Let's keep this between us. Where the hole's at? <laughs> and Tiger Woods, because if you look, if you look back, hey. if you look back at the time when Tiger was banging all these chicks, it wasn't just no beauty queens he was knocking down like Tiger was knocking down Waffle House waitresses, Burger King chicks, uh, bottle girls in the club. It didn't matter. Tiger was just trying to get his Wilt Chamberlain numbers up, and I respect that. Now, me being a married man, I model my life now after after the holes, Tiger. But <laughs> I can get the Tiger. I, I totally respect anybody who can go out and do the numbers he was doing from 8 p.m. to probably like 2 in the morning, then wake up at 6 and then go beat a bunch of dudes in, in a sport you probably shouldn't be in and then do it all over again for three days in a row. I respect that. Tiger Woods with the hoes. That's my guy. Okay. Now, I do want to argue on what you just said right there Please. because uh, – and it's not so much argue but bring more light to that. And I can bring light to it as this, as being a very, very 
quasi-quasi-famous athlete myself in certain regions I played in, basically. Mr. Saturday in Night, folks. Look up the last – look up the of, of, Mr. Saturday Night. Of, of towns of 100,000 and less, okay? <laughs> like, and it's like five towns, right? <laughs> do you know why he won all those majors and why he was probably able to do all that, especially after he got married? You know why? Please enlighten me. Because he was like, well, shit, if I don't keep winning – how the hell am I going to play this alimony? Facts. So that's why I can agree with you saying how great that is. Because if you're going to be that big a hole, are you kidding me? You go to Tiger Woods and type in mistress and go to the different sites and they show you Thank all those you. pictures. That's some, that's some, that's some informing stuff. Thank I can't you. do it that much. You know, we got parent protection in my house. You can't be just doing all that. You got to clear things with the missus in my house. You can't be putting in Tiger Woods and hoes uh, to really find out what's really going on, because that you know that's an ass whooping. I told you, that's a fact. We, she has her she has her own set of golf clubs, so she'll whoop my ass with mine if I'm looking up too much shit. That's a fact. But I digress. So the fact that when he won that Masters, and there was just one there and hanging out with his two kids, you know, light skin number one, light skin number two. I think one of the kids' name is Charlie. I don't even know if that's a boy or a girl. I'm not even I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna get actual factual about that point. But he kissed that girl on the lips on CBS. Good looking, good looking woman. You got to give him props because you know what? Yes, he's Tiger Woods. He's still Tiger Woods. But if you're going to sit there and get kissed on uh, CBS after everything he'd have been talking about over the last 10 years, I tell you what, that's a bad dude right there. I agree. That, that's a bad dude. For her to go, yes, Tiger, you can kiss me on national television. I'll be the fiancé now because you have changed, quote, unquote. Um and I won't get into that, you know. All right. This is not about what he did and what he didn't do. We got to move on because we only got like four minutes left for us to get our last segments in. The last segment right. before we get to our give us a minute. Also, give us a minute is a, a, a topic, a subject, a, a segment for us where you get a minute uninterrupted. Like just how you feel is how you feel. And it might set up for something later. But give me a minute just means, hey, bro, give me a minute. Let me get this out. But before we get I to that you. point, Can't, before we get to that point, I do you one better, man. Why don't we just go ahead? Let's just do the extended seventy-five. It's our first episode. We'll give them a little bit extra, we'll, and we'll tighten up later. Fact, let's we'll let's run, go to seventy-five. We'll, we might not go to seventy-five, but we'll run with this last topic for a second. I, let's run with I it. I know for a fact this last topic is going to get your ass going. Oh yeah, because you know how I feel about where we're going. Right. Uh, I got a couple things to say about it. My last topic. Zion Williamson uh-huh. makes Duke basketball blackable, a.k.a. likable by black people. Uh-huh. Now, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm going to let you have it before I come back. All right. I like that. Give me three other Duke black basketball players. Oh, I can give you plenty. No, all I, from I, just, Chicago. I just want three great ones. Three great yeah. ones that are black. That are black. 
Uh, what era do you want? You it's, want the eighties? You want the nineties or two thousands? And ex- I want you. To, right. And the only thing I want you to do, the only parameters I'm giving you, exclude your boy Parker, and I will explain to you why. Go ahead. Okay, so exclude Jabari. All right, here we go. Three great black Duke players. Number one, I'll start with Grant Hill because that's the obvious. Right. Number two, I'll go Kyrie Irving. Okay. And then number three, black Duke players, just because I'm loyal, and this guy right here was my hero. I wore his number. I'm going Corey Maggette, which was really his first – one of his first – to leave after one year. Okay. Those are my three favorites. All right, so those are your three, fav- three favorites. I'm sorry, this uh, peanut butter whiskey is kicking in. Also, yeah. Screwball peanut butter whiskey is the shit. If they ever want to sponsor sponsor your boy, I'm with it. Hey, shouts out peanut butter whiskey. We were all about that screwball peanut butter whiskey in this house. So trust me on that. Those are your three from Duke, right? Those are my three blacks. Your three yes. blacks from Duke. I want you to and, want you and, to, and wait, hold up. And, and honorable mention, black player Christian Leitner. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> well, oh God, I got so much. On, uh, anyway, so with the three that you have, <laughs> I want you to add Zion Williamson to that. Now, let me describe Walt to you guys, just in case you don't know. You don't know us. Mm-mm. Walt is six three. We'll call him six four on the roster. During his playing days, we'll give him two hundred two. 15 in that range. Yeah, give, give me give me my playing weight. I don't want my off-season weight. Yeah, we'll, we'll give uh, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag lazy weight. Give, yeah, give me 215. Hashtag I'll take that. a 30-pack a, a of bud. But 6'3", <laughs> 6'4", on the roster, anywhere from 200 to 215. Long, rangy athlete. Pretty, a nice size receiver. Whoa. Out of the three you just named, and I gave you Zion Wilkes, which one of them looks like your cousin? <laughs> well, uh, Kyrie definitely looks like he could be a Walton, that's for sure. But uh, we got we got some light skin in us, but, so Grant Hill definitely looked like he'd be a cousin. But and Corey McGetty's from the crib. But if you had to look at the four of them dudes, and just like most black people in this country. If you looked at the four and like, you know what? Yeah, Zion might be my auntie, them kids. Yeah, that that little like, yeah, that's little ZZ them. That's why. If you add Grant Hill, Grant Hill is a tremendous, okay. tremendous, tremendous basketball player at Duke University, Detroit Pistons, and all that. It's a shame what happened with his knees. He could have been one of the greats. He could have been greater than what he is right now. Yep. Kyrie ankle, Irving. by the way. It was his ankle. I'm sorry. His knee's fucked up, too, though. It's, anyway. Oh, of course. He played basketball True. for 20 years. Keep going. Kyrie Irving, as antisocial as he is, is still one of the greats. He actually... That's Uncle Drew, He baby. actually got LeBron that first championship. That's a whole different argument. Whatever. Oh, that's an argument I agree with. Keep going. And then you said Corey McGetty? Shot town. West Side Boy right Corey there. Corey McGetty. Has hood tendencies and looks like that hood dude, but well-spoken, great athlete. If you look at Zion Williams, that country-ass, backwoods, South Carolina, playing on, like, the basketball hoops. that They didn't even have, like, the double hoops. It was, like, that metal hoop with the steel chains that they would take down after summer because they didn't want black folks at the park late at night. 
that's why Duke is now blackable. Like it's and like I get Kyrie, I get it. But like Zion, especially for these newer kids who are going to play basketball now, Zion made Coach K, Duke University, blackable. Yeah, and uh, see, I see where you're going with this. That's why I'm glad you went first. I disagree with that. I think Duke has been blackable. I had brought up some other notes of some other things, but allowing you to go first on this kept me from going on a different tangent. It's just to focus on a school that I absolutely hate. <laughs> um, this is like Duke. Okay, America, Duke is my Alabama <laughs> uh, in basketball. You dirty bastard. But this is simply because I'm a Tar Heels fan. So it's, it's, it's a pure rivalry as a fan. Uh, you know, shouts out to 2-3 was the start of it and following it ever since. And we won't even talk about this year because nobody won. No, it doesn't no, even count. No, I was a Sam Perkins guy, um, by the way. But I don't agree that Zion is what made Duke blackable. You know what made Duke blackable? What? Mike Krzyzewski. How? And, Le- and LeBron James. <sighs> and Kobe Bryant. That's that's what did it. That's when you saw what you've seen in the last, really last 10, 15 years. That's that's paper thin, buddy. I, I get I get where you're going, and I'm gonna let you go. But that's thin. That's it's thin. not paper thin. Here's the one thing about black people in America, Chris Turner. And this is the truth of us. We're gonna always look at who's gonna get us. To where are we trying to go? Thanks. Before the Olympics started in 2008, look at how many championships Coach K had won between 1980 when he started in 2008. I can name the years, but I can also give you the nucleus of the type of players on there. His first one was in 91. His star player was Christian Leitner. His second star was Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill was kind of sandwiched in there as a freshman. Can I can I throw this? Then they, let me throw this in before you get going. Okay, go I ahead. genuinely, from the bottom of my soul, the depths of my soul, I hate Bobby Hurley more than I hate Christian Leitner. And I think that's a that's a damn shame because uh, I hate them both equally. <laughs> I was a I was a closet Grant Hill fan. Do you know how bad it was to root for the like Grant Hill and watch the Fab Five of them lose? Shout out to the Fab Five: Jalen, Chris, Ray, Jimmy, and Shot uh, Town's finest, Jawan Howard, Miami Heat, by the way. Um, so I like that, but think about that. So he won back to back with them guys, right? And then he didn't win again till 2001. And you know who his star players were? Enlightened. Shane Battier. Jason Williams, now known as Jay Williams. True. Uh. Mike, you know, those were his star players. Mike Dunleavy Jr. was on that team. Mike Dunleavy had a longer career than both those guys. Didn't Mike Dunleavy win a dunk contest? No, you think about Brett Barry. Okay, they all look alike. White guys in a dunk contest. Yeah, they all. Different subject. 
Do we okay. do we count Blake Griffin as one of the white guys in a dunk contest? Oh no, Blake Griffin is as black as a ginger can be. Gotcha. Oh yeah, I've seen his daddy <laughs> and I've seen his mama. There's a reason he looks the way he That's looks. That's a fact. All right, and I can tell you right now, America, there are two different shades between Chris Turner and myself. Very much so. Chris Turner is Creole without the hair. I like to call with myself that, with that shade. I like to think of myself as more like a mahogany, like rich milk chocolate brown. I never seen a Creole dude with no hairline. Anyway, but the point you is, your goddamn um, mouth. That Rogaine shit doesn't work. <laughs> I gotta get to that Bosley. You gotta get to that Bosley, son. If, I need it too. Don't get me wrong. If any I'm, of that shit over here, LeBron I would try it, but I'm a bald head dog, and that's just what it is. I'm over here LeBron and myself, but <laughs> if you look at that, if you look at that, that that was a legit 20, like those championships, three. That was a 20-year window. He won three. He did not win a national championship between 2000 and whatever year. I think it was 2001 when they won. Right. And then before the Olympics hit. And then I give him credit because the title he won, where Butler should have beat him. Yeah, he did it with a bunch of no, he did it with a bunch of nobodies, but he also wasn't given in to one and done. You remember the articles yep. where he was like, "One and done will ruin college basketball," and it had da 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 da. And then he coached that team with Kobe and LeBron and Jason Kidd. And Carmelo and D Wade, and all of a sudden, you know what Black America saw? Because in 2004, shouts out to AI and Stefan and Tim Duncan and guys for you know they did metal. Obviously, we don't ever talk about no, we do not. Those guys, a, a lot of Hall of Famers on that team. They just you know lost. It was a team of power forwards and centers. This dude was on the world stage, and he could get the egos of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Jason Kidd, and all that play together. You know what Black America saw? And then all of a sudden, Coach K was like, you know what? Come here, uh, Jabari Parkers and Jaleel Okafers from Chicago. Because, I mean, if Coach Cal's going to do it and he's going to beat me, I feel like I'm a better coach if I had the same talent. That's Coach K's mentality. So when Coach K said, you know what, two tears in a bucket, fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and start playing the same field these guys are playing. Roy had already had two titles on him now in the same tenure now. Facts. Don't forget, because that's where I thought we were going. Which school is blacker, Carolina or Duke? And that's where I was going to use my ninth. Shout out to Ninth Wonder. I was going to use my Ninth Wonder facts he gave me on Instagram. I wasn't. To, to I wasn't even going that, that route and then disagree with him. I wasn't going that route because I'm such a Tar Heel, Tar Heel fan, that is ridiculous. Like I said, my favorite basketball player from UNC, it wasn't even Mike. It was the Big Smooth, baby. Like to at that at that time, and I let you finish. But at that time, the Big Smooth, like you see a big dude out there with like a little smooth little two step crossover. And then he gonna pull up from three. <laughs> Come on, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's how we roll. You know, that's the that's the Carolina is the is the school of NBA players. If you want to have a league, you want to have a league career, you go to the Cadillac. Okay. If you want to 
be good and everybody loves you and ooh and Coach K, go to Duke. There you go. Uh, but I still love Coach K. And if Coach K recruited my kid, my kid's going to <laughs> Anyway, the point is, uh, with all that and, 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 and with it being said and done at this point, to really wrap it up for me, there's no way Zion made that school blackable. It wouldn't, Zion wouldn't even want to go there if it wasn't for that man that was smart enough. Basically, he's, he's the better version of Saban. Wow. Hey, I may disagree with these tactics, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lean into it because you know what? I want to win. Yeah. And that's why he's coached for – dude, it's, it was 40 years this year. <laughs> Shout out to Coach K. 40 years coaching young men. And all of his kids, whether they one year or not, they are some of the most intelligent. True. Fucking kids, True. black, white, Puerto Rican, a Haitian, green, yellow, purple. So I give him the credit to understand the men that can do what they do. You know, I mean, outside a couple that have, you look at it and you go, come on, William Avery. You should have known better than that. You should have known better, William Avery. And William Avery got paid. Like, so no disrespect to William no. Avery. That dude could ball. But William, you should have stayed one more year and made sure you were the point guard taking that year. Instead of going out with Elton. We all knew Elton was going number yep. one. Elton Brand is running the goddamn Philadelphia 76ers. He is, right and now. quietly is kept like he's doing a damn good job. This dude has been in front offices for a long time and played in the NBA for 11, 12 years. So, shouts out to Elton, for sure. For sure, for sure. So, that's where I'm at on that. I disagree with you on that. It ain't Zion, but I tell you what, Zion Williamson. You know what Zion Williamson's, uh, as you were describing him, and I loved it, a song popped in my head Boy. that you'll appreciate and, and my bride-to-be will appreciate. You know, when Zion, you know what his intro song should Boy. be? Oh, no, hell no, boy. Y'all never done it. Oh, no, hell no, man. Remember when that song came out, y'all? Y'all was like, yo, my first song was like 48 bars with no oh, hook. Oh, God, that would, be, that would be so accurate. It's fucking ridiculous. That's that's Zion. That's Zion coming out in the intro. That's what they should play. Oh no, hell no! Because you see that dude like, oh no, hell no, man! What the fuck? This goddamn tight end? No, fuck though. All right. Or or it could be your uh, one of your all time favorites. That could be uh, don't 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 take it to the house. Don't don't take it to the house. Found out them people alone, my boys and girls. Get that trick daddy on them, boy. So out of respect and out of out of. Because we love doing this, and because you are my big homie, I'm going to let you go first and give me a minute. So, run it. Okay, America, give me a minute here. And, and, and let, me, let me let you understand a couple of things that have been on my mind, and I'll do it as fast as I can because I'm the slowest talking mofo in the world. This show, I promise you, is going to enhance all of you. It's going to make you guys think about things from an angle that, you know what? I've been wanting to say that shit for a long time. So please take more than a minute after you hear this first one and believe in us because we got topics for days. I think you guys heard 10 more topics come up in the folder we come up with. And then I digress. We will talk about so many things beyond just sports. We will get into pop culture. We will get into the world. And just conversations, and you know, just things that we observe. 
that's what we're about here, America. That's what we are here to do. And whenever Chris Turner pits me off, just be ready for give me a minute. I'm done. Chris Turner, please take us home with give me a minute. America, give me a minute. I agree with Walt said, man, just give us a chance. You might not sit down and listen to the whole hour and some change at one time, but come back to it. Give us a chance. Listen to it. Share it. Share it as much as possible. Share it to your friends, 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 so they can listen, so they can give us a minute. But give me a minute and just listen to me. Here's what I want to cover real quick, and I'm just, this leads to a topic for a whole nother damn time. Pete Carroll, one of my f- most favorite coaches, and I know that's terrible grammar, but one of the favorite coaches of all times, please come coach Kentucky football. Here's why, and I got about 20 seconds left. Here's why. Coach Kentucky football, because America needs a good guy. America needs a bad guy. We know who the bad guy of the SEC is right now. I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but it's Nick Saban. You need that coach that everybody loves to go against him. Everybody fucking loves Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, fuck the Seahawks, come coach Kentucky Wildcat football. All right. (laughs) I know that was a bit random, but America, that was what's good, America, with your big country-ass cousin who live in the North now and who speaks proper and pronounces his E's and his R's correctly, C. Turner, C.T., a.k.a. Mr. WWF, not E, himself, with my co-host, my right-hand man, Mr. Saturday Night James Walton III, Mr. Truman State. And we here, a.k.a. WWF, not E, because I'm from that era, too. And also sounding like I really sound like I am from the north and I went to a suburban school because I did, even though I'm still south side to my heart all day. Love. It's been real, America. It's the first of many. Now that they've given us this type of technology. Oh, we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be streaming the hell it's out of y'all. Y'all don't even know what's about to happen. So I'm saying like it, share it. Any feedback, hit us back in the DM and all that. Let us know. We're going to start a YouTube page. We're going to start Instagram and all this other stuff. I'm not particularly fond of it, but whatever it takes to get our message out to make us bigger than what we think we are in our own mind in the first damn place, because if you ask us, we are bigger than Howard Stern and everybody else and Joe Rogan right now. But give us a chance. And shout and, and hold up and shout out to the big homies, Q Richardson, Darius Miles, the Knuckleheads. You guys are our inspiration, man. We hope the Hennessy's hearing us, man, because we feel like we can be a different um, alternative to those guys, man. You know, they're, they're holding it down with their celebrity, and we want to be the little guys that become little mini celebrities, man. So shout out to them guys. Shout out to Hennessy, because we would love to That's have bad. a What's Good America Vsop bottle. So, uh, real this talk. has been What's Good America at the end of the day. <laughs>